come all of you. How are you doing, church? Come on. Ask the next person, how are you doing? Uh, it's a great pleasure to be with you again in the last Sunday of uh, the month of July. Yeah, we are already seven months cross. Right? What a great God we serve. Yeah. What a great God we serve. And I believe thus far He brought us and He is faithful. And I also wanted to welcome all those who are first time here. Okay? I, I, I welcome you in Jesus' name and I pray that you may you will have some good time of worship, some good time of praise, and a good time of knowing one another. I no longer be surprised to hear somebody says, I never thought that when I go to India, where will I worship? And you know the places there. Hallelujah. Because all the seven years I, I, I had this testimonies coming up saying that. When I was coming to India, my parents used to, my church used to say, where will you go in India? Where will you worship? Now we say, you all worship God. We are waiting for you to come. We have still enough you know, empty space with chairs here to fill it up. And I believe the days to come and uh, you will, that God will send his people. And because we are losing the enemy in prayer to allow his people to come to the church. Right? Nobody except me. Praise God. Okay, so uh, and, uh, I have my son Georgie here, Pastor, Pastor Georgie. Pastor Georgie is here, and uh, with whom this PSU has been started along with uh, the new, the first time team like Christopher, Daniel, and Mercy, Eunice, all like that. They have started. So, Pastor Georgie is here to bring word. And a uh, lot of things after that also to come uh, to to uh, no, uh, to appreciate the leadership, the old leadership handing over the certificates to them and and uh, appreciating the team and appointing, uh, selecting the, announcing the new team, all these things going to happen and fasten your seatbelts until the captain says don't unfasten. Okay, keep ready for a lot of time. And here is Pastor Georgie to bring the Lord. Alright, praise God. Good evening, everyone. Uh, myself, my name is Georgie, and I don't know how to introduce myself, so I'll just keep that down. But I'm glad that you are here, and I'm hoping that this, this year, this season, and your journey here continues to be a blessing and God reveals to you much, much more than you would have ever expected. And that is my prayer and that is my hope. So, uh, I've been given the task to bring the word to you. And uh, my word, as we start off the scriptures, as we start off the sermon today, let's just go back and recap some things that God has done in your life. Shall we do that? Just for the experience, yeah? How many of you have experienced God's joy during a time of grief or after a season of grief in your life? Can you show that? Yeah? You have? Yeah? How many of you have experienced or have received healing through after a season of sickness or brokenness in your life? Come on, you can do better. Yeah. Right? How many of you have experienced and received support and uh, an overwhelming encouragement from God and His words when you thought no one was with you? Yeah. How many of you have 
ever see a new beginning when you didn't even know how this season was going to end. Yeah? So, can we all agree that God is good and He will continue to remain good? Yes. Is that amazing? Yes. Yeah, that's a, that's a joyful hope that no matter what season comes in, my God is still going to be good. Right? Now, that is our personal life. But even in the scriptures, we see Jesus and His good words that continues to fascinate many. And today we are going to talk about that fascinating moments that people experience and it's going to bring some challenges to us, okay? This challenge was uh, was received by me a couple of weeks back and it has been hitting my heart, hitting my thoughts, hitting me emotionally, spiritually, mentally, in, a, in my soul and it has left me checking my own personal life, right? So, do you remember Jesus raising up the young kid of the widow? Anyone remembers? Yes? In the Bible, yeah? Anyone remembers Jesus raising up the, the dead friend? Lazarus? Come forth. Any Lazarus here? Awaken? Okay, here's one task. Okay, Make sure your neighbor doesn't sleep. That's a task for you to be here. Stay faithful, alright? How many of you remember Jesus coming the song? That everyone's going to remember, right? Yeah, because that's what we always pray. Lord, there's a storm in me. Please quiet. That's a, that's the most go-to prayer. How many of you remember Jesus walking on the waves? Come on. Do you do you guys know the Bible? Aren't preaching to the right crowd? I'm confused because when it was personal, there was so many shouts. But when I was biblical, I was like, wait, what was that? Was it really Lazarus? Was it? Was it? Not? Yeah. Hey. Jesus did quite a lot of wonderful things that we would not have ever seen, right? And then there was this big crowd of 5,000 that was fed. How many of you remember that? Five loaves and two fishes. The Sunday school story. You colored the loaves. You colored the fishes probably. You, you knew there was a basket. You remember? You're going back? Yeah? Right? Now when we were... And, and he said, hey, it's, it's that again. Five loaves and two fishes. Sermon, but no, it is that sermon, it is that passage, but it's not going to be one of those sermons. After this sermon, I don't, I think I'll be hit by a lot of clothes and fishes, but that's okay. <laughs> you see, when the Spirit of God wants you to know something, He will make sure that you know it. Agreed? So whether you like it or not, He will do it. It's not based on our liking. But it's always based on the liking of God's heart. Right? We always pray that Lord let this be done. Whereas God wants to do what is according to His will. Hello? Speaking too much? No? Am I fine? Yeah? See, when the five loaves and two fishes happen, we often focus on Jesus doing the miraculous thing. But there is an aftermath of the five loaves and two fishes which we don't often talk about. And we are going to talk about the aftermath, the follow-up passage, because chapter 6 is one of the longest chapters in the book. Alright? And Jesus still talks to the crowd after feeding the crowd, which probably not many of us pay attention to, because we focus on the miracle not the teachings. We're excited by the miracles, but not the teachings. But Jesus was always focused on the teachings more than the miracles. 
Right? Have you been blessed by the previous five, uh, eight to ten weeks that Pastor Roy has been teaching you about that, that works? Yeah? You see, Spirit wants to teach us always. It's always. Miracles will come and go, but teachings, they stay. This teaching has stayed for years. It has come from Je the time of Jesus to us. Why? Because that's the thing that has stayed. Right? So today, as we look into John chapter 6, I want us to jump into verse 26. And that's where we're going to uh, focus on. This is right after Jesus fed the 5,000. And he speaks to them in, in the same context. And he continues, uh, you see in verse 26 it says, Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Listen to me carefully. Jesus had fed the 5,000, alright? The crowd had traveled for a long time. The crowd had covered quite a long distance. And it says uh, 5,000 men in some, in some scriptures, in some uh, versions. So let's estimate there were more than 5,000 men. There would be neighbors, there would be family members, king, uh, kids and teens and youth. There would be a big crowd. Let's assume there were more than 5,000. So Jesus had, had fed the 5,000 and they stayed back. They experienced the miracle. They, their, their hunger was filled. They were, they were satisfied after the journey and they were not tired anymore. So what did the crowd decide to do? The crowd decided to stay back with Jesus. Okay? So they put in the tent, they decided they would stay the night with Jesus, but here's what happens, okay? And you can cross-check it when you go back to your rooms, read that chapter, and you'll know that I'm saying what is in the scriptures, okay? So, next morning, Jesus is nowhere to be found. And what happens? The entire crowd is shocked. They're worried. What's for breakfast? Where is Jesus gone? What are we going to do now? Who's going to provide meal for us? And as they were about to turn, they were looking for disciples. The disciples are not there. And when they were ready to leave, technically, Jesus comes to them and they said, Lord, where have you been? And he says now that, hey, this is what it says. You're not seeking me because I did a miraculous thing. You're just seeking me because I fed you yesterday. You're focusing on the on the might and the power. You're focusing on the food, on the need that was met. And that was a stopping point for me for that day. And I thought that, okay, this is pretty much it. And then I continued. So I, I'm a designer, per se. I, I, I'm a, I'm a uh, calligraphy lettering artist. I work with brands and companies. I work with NGOs. And I do a lot of designing. And I have a social media following of 10,000 people. If you don't follow me yet, please make sure that you meet me later so that I can point you in the right direction. But, <laughs> but see, on my IG, on my Instagram, I have 10,500 people following me, yeah, and as I was about to schedule the post, it's, it's like he's, he's speaking and he's hitting me, you have 10,000 followers, I'm like, yeah, it's a big deal, it's a good thing, and he asked me, are you sure they are your followers? I'm like, yes, they are following me, the numbers show, right? 
And he said, how many actually like your posts? I was like, okay. This is going to be bad. And now thankfully IG has I like count, so it's good. But otherwise, from the 10,500 followers, every time it's a rough estimate of 500 or 800 people actually liking the post, barely 50 or 30 or 10 or 5 people actually commenting on the post, barely 15 people sharing on their stories, and the entire lot, barely 5 to 10 people actually talking to me in the ends about the post. There are even fewer people who buy things from my social media link. There are even fewer people who would, who would commission me for a project. But I still have 10,000 followers. And that afternoon I started praying, what exactly are you trying to say? Just let me know. I'm confused. And he said, these 10,000 people, they're not your followers. They're just your fans. They liked a design that you did maybe five, three years back and they liked that design and they appreciated that design so they followed you. But in the last few months or years they haven't got, gotten in touch with you. They're not literally your followers. They're just your fans. Your followers, your followers are the 10, 15 people who are always in touch with you. I was like, okay, that's, that's a revelation. And I thought that was it, but no. Then the question hit, Georgie, are you the fan of Christ or are you the follower of Christ? And that's the question that's hitting each one of you today. You, are you the fan of Jesus Christ or are you actually the follower of Jesus Christ? And to help you understand that, I'm going to differentiate between a fan of and fan and a follower. How many of you love football here? English Premier League, anyone? Liverpool fans? United fans? Yes. City fans? Yes. Which fan? What? <laughs> the ego ones. <laughs> Real Madrid and Barca fans? Anyone? Nick, you gotta pick one team now. You cannot always raise a hand for everyone. These people, they, they'll choose the winning team. Yes, I'm a Madrid fan. If they're winning. If Barca's winning, yes, yes, I support them. Nick, we'll be praying for you. But, you see, what do fans do? Fans will support the team. You know, I remember the time when India, uh, Indian cricket team had won the World Cup. I remember the, uh, the city of Burra, it was crowded. It was 11, 11 p.m. at night and we were on the streets, me and my school friends. And we thought we would be the only ones, but the entire street was crowded. There were tractors, there were trucks, there was DJ and there were tractors and so much going on. I thought, man, where are all these people coming from? I didn't even know there were so many people in the city of Burra. But that night was crowded. We couldn't even drive, so we had to park our vehicle and we continued to walk till we could see any further. And then we came back. But now, the same team has been not doing so well and the fans are not on the streets anymore. They're not supporting by wearing the merch anymore. Their face is not painted. Their hairs are not dyed. Why? Because the team's not winning. You know what fans do? The fans are all up for excitement. 
that they are zero for commitment. They will be with you if everything is doing good is going good. They will be with you if you are making them excited, if you are making uh, giving them joy, if you're giving them happiness. But the moment you start performing bad, they will crucify you. They should not be in the team. This she team should, that manager doesn't know what to do. Okay, apply for that post. Go for it. That person doesn't know how to play. I dare you to run even 10 minutes without dying out. You see, fans will love to support as long they're as long as they are the winning team. If they're not, I've seen this in football as well. Madrid, by the way, boos their own player. Christian Bale. Gareth Bale. Right? Gareth Bale, sorry. Christian Bale doesn't play football. He's that time. But Gareth Bale was being booed by his own fans of this, his own team. Oh, they are they are wearing the Madrid jersey, but they are still booing their own player. Why? Because they don't like the player. Fans. They will be always there for the good. They will try to copy everything, but they will not be there when in need. Followers, followers, they will try to imitate the ones they are following. You know, they will try to dress like them, they will try to have a physique like them, they will try to have the hairstyle like them, merch like them, phone like them, gadgets like them, watches like them. We'll try to imitate the person who we are following, right? Let, let it be a TV, uh, a movie actor, let it be a musician, let it be a band, let it be an athlete, whoever you name it. But we will try to imitate them. Why? Because we actually love them. Followers, what they will do, they will continue to support that person, whoever is behind. If some if a band has not produced music for over a year, that fan, that follower base will still be waiting and hoping for the time where the new album or the, even a single comes out. Why? Because they are truly loyal to their person or that band. See, followers don't always just stay for the good, but they also stay through the bad. And they will make sure that they are just like them. Now, being fans and followers of Christ has given me the same question. In John chapter 6, Jesus fed the 5,000, 5,000 plus, and in 26, he says, You seek me because of the sign, and not, be, uh, be, not because of the sign, but because of the food that you just ate. And after he said this, he gave them, he gave them the definition of the bread of life, right? He said that I am the bread of life. He who comes to me and eats, eats of me, drinks of me, will not hunger, not thirst anymore. And he gives a lot of teachings following up. But you know, in verse 66, can we have that up please? The crowd turns away after Jesus gives them a teaching. Jesus gives them food, they stayed throughout the night. Jesus gave them a teaching, they walked right away. Verse 66, Jesus answered, where is it? Verse 66, John 6, verse 66. And he said, therefore I, uh, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked away, walked with him no more. Not just the crowd, 
But even some of his disciples walked away. But didn't they just stay overnight because they were physically fed? Hello? Yes? But when Jesus gave them a teaching and asked for a commitment, what did they do? So let me ask you. Look up, okay? Make take notes afterwards. Make eye contact. Do you think the 5,000 and his other disciples, do you think they were Jesus' real followers or were they just his fans? I cannot hear you. Come on, louder from the back. You know where I'm going next? You ready for the truth bomb? The disciples walked away because Jesus asked for a commitment. 5,000 walked away even after witnessing and experiencing a personal miracle. But when Jesus asked for something in return, there is no crowd to be found. We thought that they were going to be there. Now Jesus didn't go after them to get the 5,000 people back. Jesus didn't go after the disciples who walked away from him. You know why? Because Jesus never came to earth for to build a fan base. He came to make disciples. Amen? It's not about the numbers. It's not about the people. It's not about who's coming, how's, how they're coming, and how many people are coming. It's all about who is actually his disciple. And that's my question, and that's the title for today's sermon. Are you a fan or a follower? Right? And sadly, many of us, even today, being here or they're not here, but today, we are more of a fan and less of a follower. I'm going to help you differentiate and look yourself in the mirror and realize where you truly are standing in heaven. You see, we will gather for excitement. We will gather to celebrate. We'll gather to celebrate and dance and jump and, and we'll gather for camp. But if someone, if a leader or a pastor gives you a task to do or ask for a commitment, show of hands who would be there. Very few, right? So if that's the case, are we any different from the 5,000? Silence. Are we any different now? Last week or the past 10 weeks, Pastor Roy has been teaching you about dead works and time and time again asking for commitments and repentance and renewing and coming out of the dead works into the works of life. And we say and we commit, yes, we are going to do it, but have we done it yet? So, fans or followers? Hello? Fans or followers? If you tell me you're a follower, I'm going to break it down much more. And you will confess that I'm not really a follower. Whether you confess it or not, I'm actually going to break it down. So, <laughs> see, Jesus connected with the crowd and he still let them go. They joined as they wanted. And even today, many join the body of Christ just as they want to. 
when they want to, if they want to, whenever the mood seems right, whenever the situations are in a friendly manner, whenever things are going well, we would want to be there. Then we can be, listen to me, we can be fans of a worship. How many of you have a favorite worship team? Favorite worship team? Bethel? Hillsong? Nothing? Or from any, from any of your home back? You, do you have? Favorite. See, we can have a favorite worship team, we can have a favorite uh, leader, we can have favorite pastors, we can have our favorite podcast, we can have a favorite author, we can have, uh, we can be fans of these people. And let me tell you, just like we are fans of these people, we can be fans of Jesus too. And we can think that we are following him, but the truth remains that we are just his fans. You know why? Because we would love to marvel and rejoice of all the things that Jesus does rather than commit and do the things that he does. And that is the biggest difference between a fan and a follower. Fan wants Jesus to do, follower does what Jesus has done. Making sense now? So if you say you are a follower, my next question is, what is the last thing that you did that reflected more of Jesus and less of you? Think about it. Today's going to be a thinking session. Just self-evaluate. What was the last thing? Did you love like Jesus loved? Jesus said, hey, forget seven times seventy. Who are we? We are the ones, one time, two times, either you go or I'm going to beat you up. Either you walk away or I walk away. Better you walk away, I'm not leaving my ground. We don't even want to see the face of the person who's hurt us or who's gossiped about us or who's talking behind us. But Jesus, he knew the person who was going to betray him but still walked with him for three and a half years. You want to talk about love? That is love. That is forgiveness. That is commitment. And you know what he wants? Followers imitate the person they are following. So you imitate him. Nothing more. Don't imitate the preachers. Don't imitate the script, uh, the people who are who are on the podcast. Don't imitate the worship team. Imitate Jesus because he is the only one who's gonna stay forevermore. He's the only one who never changes. Luke 9 verse 23 please. Luke 9 verse 23. Jesus says, if anyone desires to come after me, who desires to go after Jesus here? Show of hands. You wonder if I show my hand, he's going to give me more trouble. Yes. Even if you don't show your hand, I'm going to give you trouble. So, better just show your hand, right? So he said, if, you, if anyone desires to come after me, let him let him, let him, now if I was saying, talking about a blessing, there would be shouts and shouts of amen here. Let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. He doesn't say take up the cross on Sunday and follow me. He doesn't say take up the cross on Wednesday meetings and follow me. He doesn't say take up the cross on Friday intercessions and follow me. Take up the cross and follow me daily. Part-time is not an option here. 
Being selective is not an option here. Either you go all in or you're completely out. You cannot be 50-50, you cannot be 70-30, you cannot be 60-40. No, he wants 100% from you. Now, picking up a cross is a big deal. Sacrificing is a big deal. So how do we check if we are truly fans or followers? There are, there are three aspects that I've written now, but one of the aspects that, that will help us check ourselves today, which is what I'm talking about, is our relationship with Jesus. Okay? There are, there are two more. Let's see when, uh, when the opportunity comes again to bring those two to you. But today we are talking about, about our relationship with Jesus Christ. Right? Now there are three kinds of relationships that we are going to talk about. And the very first relationship that Jesus actually is looking for is a committed relationship. That's the very first relationship. A committed relationship. Are you truly committed to him? Because this is the kind of relationship that Jesus has continued to preach in the four books of the Gospels. Jesus even states in the books that he who is not with me is against me. Do you want to be against Jesus? Do you want to take that risk? Alright. So if you're not completely with him, you're not partially against him, you're just fully against him. Like I said again, you go all in. A hundred percent. We need to realize this. That following Jesus is not one part thing. It is two part thing. One is commitment. And that's what we always think of when we talk about following Jesus. I'm committed to Jesus. I've, I've been baptized. I've given my life to him. I've repented of my sin. That is commitment. But there is not just one thing. There are two things. And the second thing is sacrifice. You cannot be a follower of Christ if you're just committed. That commitment requires sacrifice. You cannot just say that I was, I had, uh, I received Christ five years back or two years back and continue to walk uh, in that in that confirmation that I'm saved. Yes, you are saved, but are you the disciple? To be a disciple, to be a follower, you have to have a life of sacrifice. Let's look at Luke 14, verse 26, please. Luke 14. Verses 26. Your neighbor's still awake? Please, please have a look at them. Alright? Luke 14, 26. If anyone comes to me, you share with me, and does not hate his father, sorry dad, does not hate his mother, sorry mom, wife and children, I don't have children yet, but... Brothers and sisters, Jinsi, I still love you. Yes, his own life also, they cannot be answered. I did say I call out Soji. Okay, yeah, wife. My, my wife's name is Soji. She's seen in the back. Please enjoy her. Yeah. So, brothers, sisters, wife, mother, children, and his own life. So, I cannot go up and tell them, hey, I hate you. No, that's not the thing. The thing is, I should be loving Jesus more than I actually love them. So, how do I do that? How do I check that? Well, how much time and how much sacrifice are you willing to do for your family? Quite a lot, right? Jesus expects you to do more for him. 
You would sacrifice, or you would sacrifice your time, sacrifice your rest, just so that you could be with the person you love. Jesus expects the same, but more when it comes to him. You see, we have to love Jesus the most, and that will command sacrifice, demand sacrifice from your life. You cannot love your family, your work, and all the good things in your life, and love Jesus equally. No. Jesus doesn't want equal. Jesus wants number one. So he's saying that if your love for the world and your people is more than the love for me, I'm sorry, you're just a fan and not my follower. If you're loving your friends more than me, you're just a fan, not a follower. You know what a committed follower would be? They would be someone who would be sacrificing themselves more for the person who they follow. They would leave out their rest, they would leave out their, their own good being and well-being and just do the things why would Jesus want them to do. When the disciples saw the big crowd of 5,000, they would have maybe gotten excited. That's, that's such a big crowd, you know? There's a lot of people. We are famous. And we are with the person who's making us famous. That's even better. But Jesus was on a whole different level and says, man, I'm going to filter this out. You see 5,000? I'm not sure that they're going to stay. And when he, said, he starts speaking and that crowd starts to disperse, Jesus turns to his 12 disciples and he asks them, Do you want to leave too? Let's go to John chapter 6. Again, keep your hand on Luke because these are the two books that we'll be keeping keep switching back and forth. And we see in verse 67, Jesus said to the 12, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter, in verse 68, answered to him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You see, we, when we think of Peter, we often think that hey, he's, he's made so many blunders. He's doubted Jesus, he's, he's uh, rejected Jesus, he's run away from Jesus, he, he has tried to make a, a, a home for Jesus, he has done so many things. But this is one place where Peter actually spiritually stood his ground. He said, I don't want to go. He recognized Jesus for who Jesus was preaching himself to be and he knew that this is the bread of life. So was Peter a fan or a follower? That's what followers do. When everyone leaves, they still stay back. No one's going to come for intercession. I'm still going to go. Why? Because you follow Jesus, not the people who are leading you there. My best friend's not coming. Okay, I'm still going to go. Why? Because Jesus over my best friend. My roommate's not going to come. I'm still going to go. My neighbor's not with me. I'm still going to go. Why? Because followers they are required to sacrifice a whole lot. And that's the seriousness of a committed relationship. Few questions that you can ask for yourself. How often do you walk away from Jesus? 
And I know the first response will be, how do I never walk away from Jesus? Really now? When exams come, up early in the morning, prayer time is cut down to maybe 5-10 minutes, and the rest of the time is based on revision. Did you not really walk away? And now you can say that, hey, but pastor, Jesus looks at the heart. Yes, he does. But it is the same Jesus who would walk up early before everyone woke up and make sure that he spent his quality time with God. So if you knew that you wanted two hours to revise, then why just 10 minutes for prayer? Because we don't want to lose sleep. Challenging, right? But in a committed relationship, you could stay up all night just to talk to that person. When was the last time you stayed up all night reading the scriptures and worshipping God if you were really in a committed relationship with Him? And when I say worship, it's not just playing a, uh, an album on Spotify in the background. That's not worship. It's not a set playlist. Worship is your heart. It's your confession of your belief. It's your understanding of the revelation of who Jesus is to you. Do you walk away from Jesus so often? If yes, then you're not a committed person. Secondly, you know, I was reading a, a blog uh, and uh, uh, it, it was about psychology and, and understanding of, of thoughts and uh, behaviors. And one of the one of the statements written that the children, children, small kids under the age of five, they don't understand the meaning of love. They don't know the definition of love. But they know love. And this next statement said, it's not by what you speak. It's they know love because of the time you spend with them. How many of you know Jesus is always with you? Show of hands, please. How many of you are always with Jesus? Abide in me. I am you. That doesn't mean that you take a break for a week and then spend on Spiritually and in your soul, you can continue to be with Jesus by sticking to his teachings and his disciple training. It's not about coming to church every day. It's about being the church wherever you go. Making sense? Right? So, committed relationship will demand time. How many of you love spending time on your phone? If I ask you to go to your settings and check your display time, <laughs> what, how many hours would that setting show you? That's your personal question, I know. If we go to our Instagram, how many hours of activity will it show you? Three hours, four hours, two hours, one hour. Now if I go to your spiritual activity, how many hours will it show you? It's not just staying in the room and reading the Bible. Well, Jesus, Jesus spent time with his father, but what was next? He spent time with the people. Too often we come to church one Sunday and then we meet the next person the very next Sunday. We don't have any idea of where that person is. 
Phone is so big, we don't know where to. But you do have a phone in your hand, which you use so often. Get in touch, get connected, stay connected, lift each other up, be accountable for one another. Timing with Jesus, spending time with Jesus, spending your, your days with Jesus is crucially important. So if you don't, then that's another sign that shows that we are not really connected. And secondly, how many of you know the voice of your family members? If they called you from a random number, would you still recognize who they are? Anyone? Show of hands? Yeah? How many of you recognize the voice of Jesus? Because you know the voice of the one you love. Many a times we take decisions and steps based on our gut feeling and emotions and don't really understand what Jesus is actually telling us to do. Gut feeling is, I'm not going to talk to them. Jesus' voice is, forgive them as I have forgiven you. What do we usually do? I don't know. But they have done this to me. You know what they did to Jesus? But he was still ready to give them another shot. You want to come back? Come back. You want another chance? I'll give you another chance. A committed relationship will want you to know his voice. So that's the first kind of relationship. If you identify yourself in this segment, then praise God, you are a follower. But if anywhere you think that, hey, what Pastor just said is not reflecting in my life, then that's the second kind of relationship. And the second relationship is a casual relationship. That's not completely the opposite, but a middle ground. And for this, we're going into John chapter 3, and we're going to talk from the life of Nicodemus. How many of you know Brother Nicodemus? Yeah? You see, even before we start reading those scriptures, I want you to understand, this kind of relationship, a casual relationship is not enough for Jesus. Okay? Can you tell that to your neighbor? Casual relationship is not good for Jesus. It is good to be in a casual relationship, maybe in the world. I would say do that. Please don't. But never try to be in a casual relationship with Jesus. You know why? Because in, we just read in Luke 9.23, he wants self-denial. He wants you and I to deny ourselves and that cannot work in a casual relationship. We would always say, but what about my feelings? What about my time? What about my rest? You have to do it. Casual relationship won't allow you to do that. Now we're going to the book of John chapter 3 and we're going to read uh, verse 1 and 2. Alright? And it says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher, come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. See, Nicodemus was impressed by Jesus. He loved what Jesus had done. He loved what he was doing. He loved all the miracles. He understood that you. He believed. He even confessed that I know. We know that you are from God. But there's one point that we often overlook. When did Nicodemus come to meet Jesus? 
Yes? Act. And verse 1, what did he read? What we, did we read? Who was he? He was a ruler of Jews. So Nicodemus is a ruler. He has a reputation, right? He has his own follower base. He has his own position in the, in the society. He's probably well known amongst his people. His, his co-workers, they respect him. His family is well settled. He probably has good possessions in his hand. And then, but still, and he's and he, since he's a Jew, he, he, he you see, Jews were against Jesus, but he was still, still he was impressed with Jesus. And he wanted to know Jesus more. So he took the next step. What was it? It was he wanted to approach Jesus and talk to him. But here's the thing. He approached Jesus at night. What does that tell us? He didn't want to be seen. But that, what does that tell us? That tells us that he was not ready for a committed relationship. He did not want to lose the world so that he could have Jesus. Whereas Jesus demands, unless you lose the world and your own soul, you cannot be my disciple. We want the best of both worlds, but that doesn't work with Jesus. We have a reputation to maintain. We have a following to maintain. If I if I don't go according to today's norms and standards, who's gonna follow me? Well, hey, you can either do that or do what Jesus wants you to do. You cannot have them both. You see, he came approach, he met Jesus at night because everyone will be just gone. There would be not a lot of crowd. His own staff and team members and followers would be probably back home resting, eating, sleeping, whatever the norms. The rulers would be back in their own safe zones. The others in the market would be closed down. Everything would be closed down. So there's no one to point out, I saw you with Jesus. Just like the, the lady said to Peter, I saw you with Jesus. There was no one to say that. So Nicodemus took the safe route and said, Let's, let's just go at night. was not ready to take the serious step. And you know, I told you, following Jesus needs two things. One was commitment and second was? So he was ready to commit, but not ready to sacrifice. And this is where he failed. A lot of us, we are committed to Christ. But not, not a lot of us are actually sacrificing ourselves and everything that we own for us. It is talking to you, yeah, making you think, right? You see, following Jesus is not easy, but it is possible. But, you cannot be a follower of Jesus if you're following something or someone else. You remember Jesus saying, one man cannot serve, one man cannot be in two words. You have to choose one. So if you're already attached to someone or something else, you cannot attach yourself to 
Jesus. If you're not ready to let go of what you already have, you won't be able to receive what is in store for you. Understand this. Following Jesus should cost you something. If it is not costing you anything, you're not God's follower. What did it cost Jesus to come down to earth? I would say everything. His position, right? His glory. I mean, he was still in his glory, but the heavenly glory where angels and elders, they would bow down. He left all that glory and came down to mere mortals who he had all created with his own hands. He sacrificed quite a lot and then that's not it. He even sacrificed himself on the cross. So it costed him a lot to do the will of the Father. Amen? My question, second question is this. When was the last time it actually cost you something to follow Jesus? Did it cost you your time? No. Did it cost you your finances? Maybe. Did it cost you your sleep? Probably not. Did it cost you your rest? Nah. -uh. Did it cost you your vacation? Nope. Did it cost you your savings so that you could uh, cancel your trip with a friend? I don't know. So if it's not really costing you, how are we actually following Jesus? When you are being getting ready to come to church, how many of you spend time interceding and praying for the service? How many of you come beforehand to help the church set up? It's not costing you. We come at our own pace, our own time, our own desires. If it's still our own, then how does it belong to God? If our own time, if our own mood, if our own convenience, then are you truly God's? Does the demand of Jesus interfere with your life? If it's not interfering with your life and your schedule, I'm sorry, you are in a casual relationship and nothing more than that. If you adjust your schedule, uh, your prayer and your commitments to Him according to your schedule and desires, it's just, it's just a casual relationship. But if you're adjusting your life so that you can prioritize His desires, that's a committed relationship. Nicodemus wanted the best of both worlds. He, was, he wanted to enjoy the profits and the goodness of earth and still wanted to be a follower of Jesus. And Jesus clearly showed that's not possible. Most of us don't mind minor changes in our lives. But Jesus wants a complete turnover. Fans, they want motivation. But Jesus wants transformation. Amen? Fans, they want comfort. Jesus demands sacrifice. Fans want unity in every aspect. Jesus focuses on your unity with the Father. Fans want touch-up work, but Jesus wants a complete renovation. Fans expect a lot of inspiration, but Jesus wants a whole interference. He doesn't want you to do what you want to do. He wants you to do what God wants you to do. That's a follower of Christ. Not a fan, but a follower. 
You see, in, in verse 2, I've got 10 more minutes. In verse 2, Nick and uh, Nicodemus confess and accept Jesus coming from God. Many of us here, we confess and we accept that Jesus is the Son of God. He's come down from heaven to earth. Yes, he has. But he didn't take the next step of commitment, which was what? Sacrifice. We come here committing our lives to God, but we are not out there sacrificing our lives for the glory of God. So if we are not the 5,000, we are like the 5,000, and if this reflects us, then we are like Nicodemus too. True followers would do what? They would be available even during the day. Not just on Sundays, but any day you call. Nicodemus had memorized the books of law. He knew the right and the wrong. He knew the Sabbath services, how, when, and what. But Jesus, Jesus showed it to him in the scriptures that these acts and religious uh, acts of religion, uh, ritual acts and rituals of religion are not enough. We know the scriptures. We know the lyrics of the song. We know when the service is going to start. We know when the sermon is going to kick in. We know when the music is going to hit. We know all these things. But just like Jesus told Nicodemus, I'm here to let you know, these things are not enough. It's not enough to know Jeremiah 29, 11 and take it out of context. It's not enough to keep confessing and proclaiming, I can do all things. If you can really do all things through Christ who strengthens you, why not show up before time and serve him? No, that's not in my favor. Absolutely right. I can do all things to Christ who strengthens me. Then why not come up for intercession? I can do all things to Christ who strengthens me. Then why not go and preach the gospel? I can do all. But we are not using that scripture for those things. What are we using for? Good grades, for, for our business, for our work, for our promotion, for our arts, for our crafts, for all these things. Why? Because it belongs to us. We don't use that scripture when we want the work of God to be done. Talk about misuse. I'm unable to spend my time in prayer. But you just quote Philippians 4.13. You can't spend time in prayer. You can't spend time in, in, in the session. You can't spend time with your fellow believers. Understand this, you can attend every Sunday, you can sing, you can pray, and you can live a life following Christ. But still, if your life is not changed, then that option is not available. You either are completely changed, or either just as spectators or fans, who show or believe that they are a follower, but we are just fooling ourselves, whereas the reality is, we are just fans. We cannot fool God. We're just fooling ourselves. We cannot fool Christ who's going to judge. We're just fooling ourselves. You see, Jesus didn't want Nicodemus just during the night. Jesus wanted Nicodemus even during the day. To each one of you, Jesus just doesn't want to see you on Sunday. He wants to see you every day. He just doesn't want to see you from 5 to 6 or 8 to 9 in Omegadi 501. He wants to see you every day, anytime he calls you out. Anytime. Would you be available? If you're not available, then that's a casual relationship. And then there's a third, the dead end. The third kind of relationship is a complete cold relationship. A cold relationship, which reminds me of 
of uh, the story of the young rich ruler who wanted to follow Jesus. You know, he had all the things of the world and he approaches Jesus in the book of Mark chapter 10, uh, verse 17 to 22. But for now, for our time, we're just going to read verse 21 and uh, 22. So when he approaches Jesus and uh, he, he says, I, I, I desire to have inherit eternal life. Jesus says, okay, you should not, you know, follow the commandments. Don't commit adultery, don't, uh, uh, don't murder, don't steal, bear for witness, don't fraud, honor your father. And he said, I do all these things. But then Jesus starts to hit on the one thing that he's not doing. The very first command of the Ten Commandments, what's that? You shall have no other gods than me. And that's the one place where he was absolutely struggling. What was the challenge that Jesus gave to him? One thing you lack. Sell everything you have. And you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross. And follow me. There it is again, taking up the cross. See, you cannot have the treasures of the world and then try to pick up the cross. You need a full commitment to the cross. And what was the response of this young kid? Next verse, please. He was disheartened. He was sad at this world, like many of us are right now. But, <laughs> and went away sorrowful. For he had great possessions. You see, he didn't want to risk his possessions and he gave up a beautiful relationship of eternity that he could have had. Many of us here seated are just one step away from having an eternal, beautiful, life-giving relationship with Jesus. But one thing is stopping us. Sell everything off. Your time, your follower base, your own skills, your own talents, your own goodness, your own fame, your own position, give it all away. Then take up the cross and follow me. He was fixated on the things that he possessed. And dear ones, too often we are fixated on the things that we have at hand rather than fixing our eyes on Jesus whom we could have for eternity. If that's something that connects to you, relates to you, then sadly you're in a cold relationship with him. And you know, a cold relationship doesn't impact Jesus at all. A casual relationship is a lukewarm relationship where Jesus says that you're not whole, not neither cold, so I'll spit you out. So you're gone. For cold relationship, there's still at least hope that they'll be revived. But a casual relationship, ah, you're done for. It's better you take up the next step and start sacrificing and committing yourself truly to the will and the work of God. And next, what what happens? We walk. We walk away from our from our God-given opportunities 
just because we are too focused on our future, our studies, our work, our business, our social profile, our following, our fan base. A lot of these things keep us tied up. And we don't want to risk our followers by saying that I'm a follower of Christ. Because in today's world, followers of Christ are being rejected too often. Their, their accounts are being blocked and you are being shadow banned and uh, the number of followers start to uh, Reducing it really quickly. But despite of all these things, you can still have one faith that even if the world rejects me, I still have eternity. And that is the thing that Jesus wants to give you. You need to understand that the position of the world is, is should not outweigh the eternity with Christ. Whereas your eternity with Christ should outweigh your possessions in this world. Would you be able or stop walking away from Jesus just like this guy did? When your family leaders or your pastors, they ask for commitment, they ask you to show up, they ask you to join a team, they ask you to share the message or pray for people, don't walk away. You know why? Because that's what fans do. And then you fool yourself thinking that I'm a follower of Christ. Matthew 7 21, I'm finishing off. Two more scriptures and we're done. I promise. Matthew 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. So we can say, Lord, but he will say, depart from me for I never knew you. So if you want to enter heaven, coming to church is enough? Being baptized is enough? Being part of a family is enough? Leading worship is enough? Singing our favorite songs is enough? You want to enter heaven? Do the will of the Father. Are, you, are we actually doing anything that God wants us to do? Or are we too occupied doing what we want to achieve? All that for us is just going to end up in the grave. Verse 22 and 23. Many will say to me, Lord, we have prophesied in your name, cast out demons, and done many wonders, and I will declare to them, I never knew you. So you've done a lot of things in my name. But you did not know me. A lot of us can walk around stating that I know Pastor Roy. But I'm not sure how many actually know him and he actually knows them. 10,000 followers on Instagram. Some of them know me. Know me well. I'm not sure I know all of the very why? Because I don't have any relationship with them. Is this the same way treating Jesus? Fans, we expect too much, but we give too little. We expect too much, but we give very little. We expect someone to meet us, to talk to us, to visit us, but we don't. We don't do that. We expect someone to visit us in our rooms, but do you visit to someone? 
We expect someone to send up a message and say, hey brother, how are you doing? But did, when was the last time you actually messaged someone and asked how they were doing? We expect someone to stand up and pray for us or say, hey, I'm, I'm going to stay with you uh, in, in this time of need. But when was the last time you actually went out of your way and stood with someone when they were in need? Fans expect they don't give. Fans demand they don't sacrifice. But you know the truth? Here's the thing, listen to me. You know all the promises in the Bible is for who? Who are all the promises for? For? You can say for me, but the truth is it's for his disciples. Not for the fans. All the promises of yes and amen belongs to the people who follow him, not just know him. So if we are saying, Lord, what have you done? You are not answering my prayers. Do I even know you? Do you even know me? Are you in a relationship? Why should I do anything for you if you're not in a relationship with me? We say, God, you must do this for me. But when he wants you to do something for him, I, I, I don't have time or I'm, 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 I'm unavailable in this hour. How many of you have prayed out of depression or sorrow or fear, prayed late nights? Have you ever prayed a prayer after 12? Maybe you were not getting sleep and you just let out a prayer? Yeah? And you thank God that he was there to listen? Don't you think he would want to speak to you sometime too? Were you making yourself available for him to wake you up any time he wants to speak to you? Remember Samuel? What time was it? It was not after 7 a.m. It was during the dark. It was during the night. And you heard a voice. Do you think our God has stopped talking? Hello? Has he stopped talking? So what does that mean? We are not listening. We are not making ourselves available to listen. We are a talkative bunch of people and very bad listeners. That's what fans are. We want to out our grief, but we are not making ourselves available for, to hear someone else's grief. That shows that you are a fan of Christ and not a follower. You know why? Because Jesus went and spent time with Zacchaeus. He was there to listen out to the lady who was being stoned. He was there to listen out to the person on the cross who said, remember me. Are you making yourself available to listen to God and his people? If not, that's the sign of a fan and not a follower. Jesus, he said, I do what I see my father doing. And my desire is to do the will of the father. You remember his prayer in the garden of Gethsemane? What was his last line? Not my will. So his desire was not to be crucified, but God's will was be crucified. And then he went ahead and did that. And then John, the disciple, says, 
be imitators of Christ. So if he is privatizing, he the one part of the triune God himself is privatizing the will of the Father. Who are we to privatize our will over the will of and then we say we are followers, we are disciples, we are just making a fool out of ourselves. Unless you imitate Christ by following him and applying everything that he has taught you, we will keep deceiving ourselves into believing that we are followers, but only in the last day will it be revealed to us, I did not know you. Would you want to take that risk? You want to take that risk? Let's give it a shot. You can't give it a shot, but there's no plan B. There's no second chance. All the chances you want, it's on earth. But when you are standing in front of the throne, there's no second chances. Lord, give me one more day. I gave you 30 years. I gave you 50 years. I gave you 70 years. Do you want one more day? Let me go back and I, you remember? Let me go back. Nah. -uh. Send your messenger. Probably. You want to do something good? You want to do the will of the Father? Now is your second chance. Or maybe your hundredth chance. But start doing it. At Figure out if you truly are a fan. And by the expression of everyone seated here, I'm realizing that everyone has realized we are somewhere in the fan zone. I'm not excluding myself from this. I've had two, two weeks of head start, so I'm working my way out. So I'm not going to judge or, or implement or scrutinize or, or, or uh, bully you for that. No, no, no. We, we are there. But consider this message as a call to get out of the fan zone and get into the discipleship. Just as he loved the world, be ready to love. Just as he served the world. You see, many of us want service, but we don't want to serve. We would love people to come and help us, but we wouldn't want to get our own hands dirty. How many of you actually know how the service runs? Apart from the ushers and the volunteers and the worship team. You know how long it takes to set up the system? You know where they got the system from? You know all the cables, all the wires, all the ins and outs? But you know you can learn that. But for that you have to come early. And to come early, you have to sacrifice your time and then stay committed to that desire of serving. So if you feel like you want to serve, then saying I will is not enough. Sacrificing for that will is a must. Fans, we will come and we will go. Followers, we will stay for eternity. Which one would you choose? Fans will be here today, gone tomorrow, forever. Followers will be here today and tomorrow they will be still forever. Which one would you want to choose? Fans, their body will perish and their soul will be tested. 
followers, your body will perish, but your soul will be for eternity in heaven. Which one would you choose? But for every follower, there's a big, big sacrifice. Would you be willing to do it? Friends, it's easy to be the fan of Christ, but it takes a hundred percent commitment to be a follower of Christ. Let's stop fooling ourselves saying that I am his disciple. Whereas really we're just fans of his work and his songs and his beauty and his scriptures. What would a follower do? They would do what they have seen Jesus do. So where should we start? We should start by confessing, Lord, I'm sorry that I drifted into a fan zone. Whereas I should have stayed as we can where should we start? Lord, well, I'm sorry for fooling myself thinking I'm a follower, whereas I'm just a fan. Where should we start? By taking account of all the things that you should be sacrificing so that you can actually be his follower and then committing to that sacrifice. No maxis. You cannot take a year to. It's not too late. Your services are not enough to get you into heaven. But doing the will of the Father is just enough. Have you identified yourself? Yeah? Either as fan or follower, but did you identify yourself? Who you are? Who you truly are? If commitment is an issue, if sacrifice is an issue, if priorities are an issue, if pleasing God and doing His will is an issue, thanks. Our reputation, our fame, our stature, our position, our followers, is that an issue? Thanks. Not ready to let go of all the positions that we have on this earth? Thanks. Not ready to implement his teachings in our lives and follow him despite all the things that goes around. Fans. Not ready to just focus on the, the earthly meal, but ready to focus on, uh, or not willing to focus on the heaven's, heaven's desires. Fans. Doing what we have been good at and not doing what God wants us to do. Fans. Followers, they don't focus on anything but the will of Last question and I finish. The life that you are living, how many of you can be 100% sure that's, that that's the exact life that Jesus would have lived? And if you say that's not the life that Jesus would have lived, we're just fans. I give you time to close your eyes, you want to cry your heart out, you want to kneel down, you want to stand up, but I don't want this to be just another Sunday of repentance, I want this to be a truthful repenting calling out that I am a fan and Lord I'm sorry for it.
been fooling myself that I'm sorry for. I know the scriptures, but I'm not living it out. I'm sorry for it. I worship you. I sing your songs. I sing your praise. I rejoice and dance. I intercede. I pray for people, but I don't do it according to your will. I am sorry for it. With your eyes closed, and if someone is really praying it out, could you get out of your place and just pray? If you want to, if it's fine for you to stand up, please, please stand up. If it's fine for you to kneel down, please kneel down. I want you to get out of that comfortable seat and do something that shows you you're ready for a change. Don't don't worry about who's gonna see your tears or hear your your heart bawling out. No, it's fine. But today, don't go back as the fan base that came in. But go back as the followers who want to transform the world just like Jesus did. You see, Jesus said to his disciples, you will do greater things than I. Am I right, Mr. Right? So you should be having more disciples than 12. You should be raising more dead people than Jesus did. You should be feed, feeding more than the 5,000 that Jesus fed. You should be comforting more, the, more than the people that Jesus comforted. You should be forgiving more than Jesus forgave. You should be. That's your goal of a follower. Do just as Jesus did. I'm going to keep my mind for the next two minutes and give you time. This is your personal commitment. I'm not going to lead you in prayer. I'm not going to tell you to repeat after me. All that is not my thing. I want you to do it by yourself in the guidance of the Spirit and let Him know that you made a mistake and you are coming back home. The time starts now. Go for it. Heavenly Father, I pray that you may hear out the cries and the prayers of every heart that is reaching out to you right now. We're sorry. making a fool out of ourselves, thinking that we are actually your disciples and not doing the works of a disciple. Holy Spirit, I pray for everyone who is committing themselves to you again. I pray that you may catch hold of them and let their heart know the voice of God. Help them to discern and to understand and know the difference between their fleshly call, their fleshly voice, their fleshly emotions and know actually what the will of the Father is. Lord, bless and strengthen each one to actually reflect the image of Jesus on this earth. So that when we come to you, you will be proudly and with joy welcome us knowing, welcome, well done, my faithful servant. This is what we want to hear from you. Holy Spirit, equip us to live out that life. To sacrifice ourselves, everything that we possess, everything that we desire and to pick up our cross and to follow you daily. You know this is your heart's desire for us and we're sorry for diluting that desire in our lives. We're sorry for, for drifting into a fan zone and knowing that complacency and lack of commitment kick in and still be okay with it. 
From this moment on, I rebuke that spirit that taught of complacency, of negligence, of casual behaviors, of a casual relationship, of a cold-hearted relationship. Rebuke all of that and eradicate it from everyone who's crying, who's repenting, who's praying to you. And I pray that you may strengthen their heart to live out a committed Christian disciples, discipled life. That they may not be distracted by what's going on around them, who's with them and who's not. But they may always be encouraged knowing that every step is drawing them closer to the triune God. Yes, Lord. Whatever is your desire in the days to come from these children, these beautiful people of yours. I pray that it happen. And let the enemy not bring any sort of distraction in their lives. Let this church be equipped acute and, and transformed, renewed and revived in commitment and sacrifice so that in the days to come, this university and this and their nation back home, they may be transformed to these lives. All this for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. And remember, no longer a fan Tell that to your neighbor. We are no longer fans. We have to be followers, right? No longer fans.